Why, hello, all you Joygasm lovers out there, and welcome to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. I am Colonizer Russ. He is Colonizer Steve. Mm. And we both would love to visit Wakanda in episode 296 today, November 12th, 2022. We're going to be getting right into our topic of the day, which is Black Panther Wakanda Forever Review. So there's absolutely no need to fast forward whatsoever. But before we get into the nitty gritty, make sure you smack that subscribe button and drill for vibranium in, I should say on, that notification bell. That way you will not miss a single solitary episode of Joygasm that drops once a week, each week. Steve, I'm very curious to know your thoughts mm. on this film because uh the the very first black panther movie that came out we were big sure. fans of like we yeah. we really did enjoy uh everything that that it had to offer and apparently we were not alone because it was one of the highest grossing mm-hmm. marvel films right so this one uh russ um i felt like this one was a bit more um maybe cinematic so the last was, yeah, the action was done a little bit better, but I feel like there was a some there was less uh looking for the word here. Um gravitas. Gravitas. I get, gravitas. Oh. Um I it's just, it didn't nearly feel as special as yeah. the last one. And it's nothing to say of anybody's fault, really, because they lost their their man. Their we all man. we all did, yeah. yeah. Uh so the perfect cast. You know, it's gone. So I'm like, now what do we do? And I, and I think if I heard correctly, uh, Kugler already wrote this script prior to Bozeman's passing. Mm. So now he's going, okay, now what do I do? Um, so I, at one point I feel like, okay, how do we make a bad situation better? Mm. And then the other part of me thinks, okay, well, how do we give the fans what they want while still honoring what Chadwick did to the first film? Sure. Um, so I feel like it's, they're in a rock and a hard place, and I kind of feel like maybe they shouldn't have released the movie when they did. Um, this the Wakanda Forever. Wakanda Forever. Yeah. Um, it's not a bad movie mm-hmm. at all. I mm-hmm. uh, it was just that when it was over, I was kind of glad it was over. Yeah. I, I felt relieved when I went went that went. You know, I, I left the theater uh, when I went outside. Um, it, it's it's a bit hard to watch because uh, it does have some pacing issues in it. Mm-hmm. I thought the acting is better. I thought the supporting cast, you know, brought everything. Uh, I just didn't feel like it was enough, really. Yeah. And that's what I, I'm, I'm going to stop there, Russ. I'll stop there. Sounds good. I'll hit the, uh, I'll throw the Black Panther mask to you. Oh. The, uh, the heart herb. <laughs> I'll I'll pass the the purple gelatin grape juice to you and let you take a drink. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I am pretty similar to you in the sense that um, I did find the the film to be cinematic, like you said. You know, mm-hmm. I I was very happy to uh, come back to and visit Wakanda and have a continuation of the story, not only as a continuation of the standalone Black Panther saga, but also just within the overall MCU, because there have been multiple instances that we've seen from other characters, other heroes in um, other parts of the MCU where it's kind of like where it's like the whole, where are they now? Right? Like, like what's going on? But I agree. I think uh, 
to your point as well, I think that there has been this creative challenge with figuring out how do we move forward with Black Panther um, after Chadwick Boseman's untimely and, and really heartbreaking passing. And um, it makes sense in, in terms of um, what they decided to do, which we'll get to in a minute. I mean, like we're, we're just talking about high level spoiler free yeah. stuff right now. But um, service level. I think the, the I think the best way I can describe it is, you know, the, the casting director for the original Black Panther did such an exceptional job casting everybody. Like everybody right. fit their roles so well. And we're seeing uh, like, an, like what happens when they have, they're forced into this creative exercise of, okay, essentially our protagonist has been taken out of what they've built here. And you're seeing the rest of the supporting cast having to shoulder that void. It's, and it's huge. It's huge. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's absolutely big. And, and, it's, and not only from like an acting standpoint, but also too, just the mechanics of like how a story is told through film where you, I mean, obviously you have like your main characters, your protagonists, your antagonists, you yeah. have your supporting cast. Everyone has a purpose as to how these characters function and belong and exist within right. any given story. So I think when it comes to Black Panther, Wakanda forever, that is, that's what we saw was like on the one hand, uh, and we'll talk more about this later, but like, you know, I think that there was, there was, a um, genuine respect played toward um, Chadwick's performance in the past, but then also trying to figure out, okay, how do we pass that baton forward? So, um, but other than that, you know, I thought that there were um, several neat ideas that were explored. I thought it was a very um, refreshing um, kind of direction that they decided to take with the film. Mm -hmm. But yeah, overall I felt like it was a bit of a mixed bag in terms of the vibe. If I were to compare the vibe from the first film to the second film, what they're doing, uh, some of the ideas they're exploring in the second film versus the first film. So we'll get into that. So without further ado, I just want to throw out the spoiler alert at this point in time. So if you haven't seen the film, then we advise you not to move any farther because we don't want to ruin the experience for you. So in terms of where they took, I mean, I, I think the, the, the biggest or one of the biggest things to discuss is actually the passing of the baton mm -hmm. uh, between Chadwick Boseman um, as, as T'Challa and then having that go to Shuri, right? right? So she is the next Black Panther. That makes sense in terms of like, if you read the comics, uh, I, don't, I don't read the Black Panther comics, but I was doing some research online and apparently Shuri in the comics eventually takes on the mantle at some point in time as a Black Panther. So that makes sense. But I think what's, um, I think it's just hard. And I don't think that, that we're alone in this at all. I think that like, Collectively, there is such a strong fan positive reaction to Chadwick Boseman as right. the Black Panther. I mean, every time we see him on screen, I mean, everybody, you, you could just feel everybody smiling in the theater when he was on screen. Sure. Just like many other. I mean, like anytime you see Chris Hemsworth come on as Thor. Or right, right, right. Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, oh, you know, so on and so forth. I mean, like, like they have done such a great job in casting these characters and the actors have done justice to these different characters. And, um, 
so yeah, the, the, it's it's kind of like a bittersweet kind of thing when you see it between the two because it does in fact make sense for her to take on that mantle. But at the same time, it's like, man, there's still like, like I don't know, it, it's like a dual yeah. thing. Uh, I Let me chime in just real quick. Um, or, uh, I'm sorry. I hate it when, when that happens to me. Are, are you done with your idea? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Okay, so here's here's what I think uh, you're feeling because I, this I was meditating on this, Russ. Oh, were you now? I like Shuri being Shuri. Yeah. Okay? And I love her character. Uh-huh. But I love Chadwick Boseman being T'Challa. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would be okay later on with, if she took up the mantle. Uh-huh. Okay, fine. But right now, she is still fresh in my mind as more of a sidekick character. And yeah. so I cannot get 100% behind her because she's the one uh, who's you know crazy smart, um, very talented, deve- very talented, gifted, she's developing weapons. Yeah, she's tr- she's trying to create strains of molecules to save her brother's life. Uh, I, she's trying to save Vision in the first, you know, uh, or the Avengers. Her uh, character's purpose is different than that. Of correct. T'Challa. Yeah, and so. I mean, we got all the way to like the third act, I would say. And I'm thinking, I'm sitting in the theater going, what do we, I haven't seen Black Panther yet. And yeah. and what direction are we going to go? I mean, I figured it would be her because they kept focusing sure. on her. Um, but I went all the way there. So here's, here's, I'm kind of thinking they, they jumped ahead. Here's what I think they should have done. I, I really think they should have just done a, a, a casting change and gone with the original script that, Ryan Coogler had had written. Mm. Um, I don't think that would have been a bad thing. I think if they kept that bit in the very, very beginning, that kind of moment of silence for Chadwick Boseman when you see the Marvel thing. Uh, I love I, that. That was beautiful. That was, that was, that was so well done. Very tasteful. If yeah. they, oh, I mean, I get goosebumps. I'm just thinking about it. Anyway, yeah. so if they kept that, so they're like, we're not at all dismissing Boseman as, as yeah. T'Challa. Yeah. But we got to move forward with the story. And give the fans what they want, uh, which makes perfect sense too. And I mean, they, they've done a cast; they've done casting changes before. I mean, they they took out Terrence Howard, for example, and put in put in Don Cheadle for uh, War Machine. Mm-hmm. So it's like they, they they've done it before, and we just had to move on with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they could have done that again uh, here and drove the story forward. Um, what would you What would you think of that idea? I'm conflicted. I go back and forth just because on the one hand, I, I can understand what you're saying. I think that there are a lot of fans though, who, I mean, like I, the first Black Panther movie, and especially you want it with regards to Chadwick Boseman as being T'Challa and, and the Black Panther, you know, we first get introduced to him actually through, uh, I think it was civil war. It was Captain America's right. civil war. Yeah. And then from there, and then the Black Panther movie got released and that sort of thing. But um, it's lightning in a bottle when you can find an actor who resonates with fans in a very short period of time, like the way Chadwick did with Black Panther. And so there's a dilemma in the sense that I think that like, like you know, the, the big question is, do we go what you, the, the direction of what you're talking about, where it's like, you know, you, you, uh, you cast someone else to play essentially the same character, the same role, or do we want to basically bookend that particular character and then go a different direction? And I think 
you know, uh, another option could have been like, maybe there was someone else who could take on the mantle because they did in fact establish in the first black Panther movie that like, you know, it wasn't, it's not like there's one black Panther and that's and, it. And that's yeah. it. There's one and done. And if, if that, um, character dies, then all of a sudden, like there's just no more black Panthers. Right. No, it's, it's more of this mantle of responsibility and honor. And there's and, a competition. Yeah. So like, you know, anytime that, that, that happens, you have all the different, um, African tribes within Wakanda that, um, you know, basically go through the, this ritual, right? Uh -huh. Like, and, and whoever is basically the strongest and, and able to, uh, vanquish, uh, the other contenders, so to speak with no special abilities. This is right. just human to human. Yeah. Man they, to they man. strip away whoever right. the current one is. And, and, and yeah, that's actually interesting thing about it too, is how it's not only when, a Black Panther passes away, but it seems to be kind of an annual thing. Like even when the current Black Panther is still alive. Right. So yeah. So I mean like, like that actually is really cool to like watch the first film and you, you know, you get this understanding of like how their culture does these different types of annual rituals and, 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 uh, um, traditions and that sort of thing. It would have been perfect because they, they set it up in the first movie mm -hmm. that that's what's done. Yeah. And that's when we, ha I mean, Killmonger won in the mm -hmm. first movie. And he, so he was Black Panther. I mean, that would have been to me like the perfect segue into it. Mm -hmm. I guess another idea would have been, um, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking that Disney and Marvel really wanted to respect what the family wanted too. Oh, and sure. So, I mean, they've already had to deal with Chadwick passing yeah. and that was crazy difficult to deal with and process. And now they don't want to see it on screen forever in Hollywood if they just want to watch a Marvel movie, right? So I think it's respectful there, but at the same time, um, I think a better way of, of doing it, if they still wanted to show him passing, was to have him go out in a blaze of glory. Where like, that's like a king's death, right? I was thinking like, in the, before the movie started, we saw the trailer to John Wick 4 and there's that scene like, you know, a good life deserves a good death. And I'm thinking that really goes along with uh, Chadwick Boseman and T'Challa and, you know, everything that we have been, you know, propping him up with and, and, uh, he's been giving us, um, and why not just have him go out in a blaze of glory and, and, and just end that legacy just on top just with an explosion sort of deal. I mean, that, that's one way that you could definitely do it. I do think that it's very realistic, however, to like showcase other ways of going out as yeah. well. It's, I mean, it's, it's romantic, right? To think about like, oh, going out in a, in a blaze of glory. And there are definitely instances where I think that that particular direction is appropriate. But I also think too, like, you know, um, T'Challa's father died in that bomb explosion. That's right. Called it. And that was not a blaze of glory. That was a tragedy. That was right. terrible. And, that, but, but he was the king of, of Wakanda. Right. Right. Um, he was uh, Angela Bassett's, Husband. Uh, husband. Yeah. yeah. So like, you know, that was not a blaze of glory, but it didn't matter because it resonates with everybody because you, we got to see as we got introduced to T'Challa, this absolutely horrific event that happened while he was present. He was there. He, he held his father as he passed right. away. So, you know, I, I think, I think that there, there are different ways to go about it. I, I do think in terms of whenever we did in fact see references to Chadwick Boseman as T'Challa in the film, those were some of my favorite moments in the film, you know, like whether it was like a painted mural or like we saw, I think it was toward the end. Um, there was like kind of this montage of, of different moments from the different films. That was one of my favorite parts in the entire movie, honestly, because it's it's taking the time to acknowledge and pay respects to someone who really has 
been a, a, a big moving force in, in making this property a success to what it is. But also, too, the person, the actor behind the character is also, I think, um, definitely just, just worthy of them doing that. And the way that I think Ryan Coogler put it in there, it was, it was beautiful. It was a very beautiful thing to like see that because it, it impacts both on a fictional level, but also in a nonfiction sure. level as well. And I, I kind of almost wished that perhaps there were different types of ways that they could find creative opportunities to show more of that. Like, like maybe show more of those types of sequences um, during Shuri's various types of struggles. Because I think one of the things that the film does well is how you you're you're witnessing this royal family that's falling apart. Mm-hmm. You know, you have um the the father of both Shuri and T'Challa pass away tragically. You have um uh, T'Challa also go away. You have um uh, in in this film also we we witness the queen passing away. So Shuri is really I mean like like she's it's interesting when when we get introduced to her in Black Panther just because um you know, she's just this idealistic, um, very intelligent, very bright, talented inventor. She's doing stuff. She's not necessarily naive, necessarily. Um, she's very much aware of like current events, what's going on. And her capacity, the, her purpose is to basically be almost like Q from James Bond in a way sure, for yeah. Wakanda, right? Good comparison. Um, and so it's interesting to see her be stripped of these various types of family members where, you know, she, you can see that she feels very exposed. She feels very vulnerable. Doesn't she? She does. And, um, actually you mentioned James Bond, James Bond is actually a very good example of recasting too, because like Daniel Craig, they, he basically killed James Bond and his James Bond series. But the character of James Bond is not dead. Yeah. Somebody else definitely will continue the mantle and it wouldn't be like, oh, we're going to pay respects to Daniel Craig, James Bond. It's, hey, 007 still has more stories to tell. This is just the person who is going to be 007 from now on until, of course, they retire. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting to watch. I mean, I think that that in terms of the character arc that we see with Shuri that like, uh, you know, I, I felt really bad for her. I've, I've, and, and I, honestly, I was concerned for the state of Wakanda as well as, you know, how is she going to be able to move forward? Because she's been really thrusted into this leadership role that honestly, she was not planning to take on for, a, you know, a long time. If ever, you know, she was very happy. Her happy place was in the lab. She enjoyed doing what she sure. was doing. Uh, but but that's that is a byproduct of good storytelling, in my opinion, because you want to take these characters that like we have become accustomed to doing certain things and then throw them into this situation where they're out of their comfort zone. They're a fish out of water. Right. Like they're they're just like, I, what am I supposed to do? You know, and so that that breeds a lot of um, maturity. And, and we get to see like how this character is able to persevere despite all this conflict that's uh, that's going on. So. Um, one of the things that I did want to talk about as, as one of the highlights, as far as I'm concerned with the movie is Winston who plays M'Baku. Yeah. Um, this, I was so happy at how they put time into 
also developing his character because in the first film, you know, he's, he's a bit of a, a brute, a brute, right? Right. Like, like, you know, he, he's, he has lots of testosterone. He's, um, he comes loud. from a, tr- a tribe that, that, yeah, is very loud, very, uh, likes to beat their chests and, and, and like, you know, that there's, there's more of that almost kind of a sense of a, a constant rivalry, if you will, to the throne. Right. But in this film, I absolutely loved how we got to see him also mature and reveal like how he he made a promise to mm-hmm. Shuri's brother about about you know being a uh, a confidant or yeah. an advisor <clears throat> towards Shuri and, and I thought man that is so cool and and the way that Winston delivered those lines and and you can see the entire demeanor shift where he was still in Baku but like you I don't know like like I sat there going this is actually one of my favorite parts of the film right. is watching his character go from what we were initially introduced to and then seeing there's a reason more than just like like brute strength why he's the king of his tribe that he actually also has intelligence he has wisdom he has um he, he's good at assessing situations he he observes and he can look, like see through certain things so like not only that but he still retains like his own like sense of humor uh, yeah sense of humor his charisma you sure. know like like in the certain battle sequences i absolutely loved watching him like do his thing i mean like, he to me he was one of the highlights what do you think no, he's a fan favorite. And I remember talking about uh, in an earlier podcast, you know, who's going to be the next Black Panther. And I think uh, we agreed that uh, maybe the mantle will get passed to him because he would be the next best one in our opinion to take on that mantle. And, um, and I mean, I didn't want him to abandon his character necessarily, but I think they could have brought him in as a new, maybe temporary Black Panther. Um, I mean, I Wakanda has this thing where, you know, they don't need Black Panther to be Wakanda. Wakanda's going to be there. They have their vibranium. They have their technology, whatever. But the Black Panther is the protector. protector. Yeah. Oh, nice. Stereo. Um, Unintended stereo. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Jinx. And and so I think it would be a cool scene if, um, if Shuri, if like all eyes are on Shuri to be the new Black Panther. And she's like, look, this is, I can do this. I'm not suited for it can you do it for me? Mm -hmm. And then he takes on the mantle, but maybe he's not the chosen one. And so then he protects Wakanda and he protects the technology and the vibranium and he gets the job done essentially. And then he hands back over the power willingly. So he did, he doesn't, he doesn't get like consumed by greed of power in that sense. He gives it back up willingly. I've done my thing. I'll be king of my little tribe over here. And then the next Black Panther who should be, who we all agree to be, or who maybe even does a competition independently, then they become the new Black Panther. Mm -hmm. I think that would have been an incredible scene. Yeah. I mean, there are different types of possibilities that, that are certainly out there. Um, I just I, I I I do think in terms of, of what we witnessed, it's just it's tough. It's yeah. it's like how do you move forward creatively? How do you move forward emotionally? How 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 yeah. exactly do you go in a direction that you can have everybody rally behind and be like, yeah, this is the right way to do it. Um but anyway, let's park that for now and let's talk about yeah, please go ahead. I'm <laughs> just going to park here. Uh, park itself, self-park. Yeah, exa- yeah. Oh, <laughs> fancy. I'm just going to sit here. 
I do want to talk about this new um, <clears throat> kind of like like culture, uh, secret culture, secret civilization um, of the Mayans that exists underwater. I really, I did not expect to see that. I, I was like, whoa, okay, this is, this is different. This is also um, something that I view as a positive is I really found myself being enthralled with um, these, these new types of Mayans that like, you know, also live in secret. They have their own um, unique backstory as to how they came to be. The, um, the main uh, antagonist uh, who is played by Tanakh Huerta as Namor. Yeah. Um, I thought he was good. I, th- I thought that um, it was really neat to be able to see yet a different type of tribe um, that, that exists in the world more specifically within the, the framework of Wakanda. So you have kind of this African secret civilization of Wakanda in Africa. Now, now you also have this other type of secret civilization uh, based around South America. So it, it was really interesting to see. And I just loved the theme of water. Yeah. I thought it was so cool because like, you know, when you go to Wakanda, like you have this sprawling futuristic city, all these beautiful people doing like just living out their lives, doing their thing. I mean, like, you totally want to go. Like, you're just like, man, this looks like a fantastic place. And to see them kind of successfully rinse and repeat that with the underwater city of the Mayans, um, once again, you have uh, just this, this really nice laser focus on attention to detail, being respectful of the culture, being respectful of a lot of the things that are um you know, based in reality, but then they're able to like put a creative slant on it and be like, Oh, well, you know, let's take some of these different types of stories and folklore and stuff. And let's see if we can actually make this into something tangible for the film. I thought it was great. What about you? I did. Yeah. Yes. I did like them. Um, you always kind of wonder where the next enemy is going to come from. They're going to come yeah. from some, you know, blah, I came out of the ground yeah. sort of thing where <laughs> I came from outer space, you know, to conquer you. I'm a super being. Yeah. Uh, so everyone doesn't want to know. And, um, you know, you, you, you don't obviously want this to be a end of the world scenario. You just want a good, like, conflict. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, the enemy was, was complex. And uh, I thought going the, the direction of the mines was, was interesting. Uh, it took me a little bit to to get on board with the the wings on the feet. Yeah, like, that was a little goofy. I'm, if I'm being real and I'm being um, honest, like I'm like, I, okay. I don't think he can move that fast. But again, that's probably wings. you know that's probably based off of various types <laughs> of um, uh, you know hieroglyphics that that are mind sure. based or something. But yeah, when you see it, you're kind of like, uh, <laughs> okay, we'll just so, roll with it. And we nicknamed. Hummingbird ankles. <laughs> <laughs> He's looking all threatening. It's like, yeah, I'll be there in just a minute. Hold yeah. on. <laughs> I can fly. Can you fly? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I mean, boy. yeah, that, that visually it was a bit goofy, uh, but I got over it and I was like, okay, well, we'll, we'll just, we'll roll right. with it and, and see what happens. And, and luckily we were very fortunate to have this particular actor take on the role because again, like I think that he provided a, a, a much more um, authenticity. Did I say it right? No, I didn't. Auth- authenticity. Authenticity. Let's try it again. Uh, he provided a, a certain quality of authenticity to this brand new antagonist. And I think that speaks very highly of this actor just because 
especially like, you know, if you can imagine them saying, okay, so this character, we're going to have tiny little wings that you can fly on your ankles as you fly around and stuff. Like you need someone with a certain level of street cred who is able to look past something like that. That's kind of like, eh, and instead deliver, um, I would say uh, a very good performance in terms of trying to, to make this antagonist original which I did. I totally think that that he sure. did. I think that um, he was able to approach, and I think this is also um, to to the credit of the the script writers as well. But I think it was neat to like see his vantage point. How like he really was. I mean, even though there was manipulation there, he really was attempting to try and approach this from like more of a peaceful perspective. And so it was interesting to see that as opposed to just being the standard, I'm evil, coward before yeah. me, you know, kind <laughs> right. of stuff. So, no, I, I thought I thought it was very refreshing. I love seeing how he has family as well. And, and you get to be introduced to certain um, members of his family. Um, you get to see like their fighting style, see like like just how all this stuff works. So oh, all of that, I mean, I love seeing the killer whales and I love seeing the humpback whales and how they travel underwater and how like, they have maybe not as much technology as as Wakanda, but they definitely hold their own and they are a force to be reckoned with as we got to see this whole thing play out. So I thought that was that was certainly um, kind of a cool thing as well. There's a scene between uh, Shuri and Namor. Mm-hmm. He was pronouncing his name differently, though. Was he? he? Yeah, he's like Niamor, but everybody called him Namor. And then in IMDb, it says, like, it's N-A-M-O-R-E, I think. Well, and, and I, th- <laughs> I think it's, it's important ju- just as, as, like, kind of a heads up that I think, like, the two of us are, we're trying our best to make sure that we enunciate these, these names correctly. So if, if not, but that's I mean, the thing, we, we apologize ahead of time. And <laughs> everybody in the movie called him Namor anyway. Like, he was, like, the only one himself that had, like, Mo, my name is Niamor. No love. He goes, okay. Everybody else goes, oh, no more. No, Neomore. Well, and he had the other name too, like because like I think yeah. didn't he say that that like Namor was what his enemies would call him, but then he had the other one like start with a K, like no, I think that was the just his race of people were called that. Oh, yeah, okay. So they weren't like the Mayans, but they were the Mayans who yeah yeah they were like a, a subsect of like though the Atlantis Mayans, Atlantic. <laughs> Atlantis is DC. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What'd you think of their underwater um, city? I thought it was cool. Uh, you know what I was going to, um, actually what I was going to draw to was, uh, there's a scene between Shuri and him and they're negotiating basically like, why are you bad? And can we, can we come to a resolution on this? And I thought that was kind of refreshing because that's more her perspective of not just running in there yeah. and he's got the bigger muscles, but um, let's talk about this. So you obviously haven't killed me yet. So you do have some morality to you. Kind of come to an understanding. Come perhaps. To, yeah. Come to an understanding. Like this person doesn't have to die. And I obviously, I mean, on, this person who we can talk about next, the Riri, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she made this machine to find vibranium, but you got to think that, you know, the CIA or the government essentially took this machine uh, and used it, but they had to have like deconstructed it and like had blueprints or knew how to make the thing or recreate the thing. Like she's not the only one at that point. Sure. 
you know, who has the plans to to make this. If they destroy that one machine, everybody's going to have that machine. They're going to have backups, you know. So just that one focal point. Um, I was like, no, I don't think that's just evidence enough. But then maybe again, they've been so uh, locked away at the bottom of the ocean. They haven't known how civilization has progressed, Russ. Yeah, you know, I I would say I was not a particular fan of Riri. Um, mm. I, I just... So, as I understand it, I think she's one of the newer Marvel heroes that they've made, I think within the last, like, year or two, uh, maybe longer. I, I Again, I don't read those comics, so I'm not <clears throat> up to date on the whole sure. stuff. But um, I, I want to say she is Ironheart, in the comic books. And essentially she's this bright student, young student who essentially kind of like becomes Iron Man in her own way, which I mean, it's very evident. Like when you're watching this movie and you see her concoct her own, like, you know, Mark one, so to speak. And I had a bit of an issue with that just because once again, it's like, you know, when you're making any given character, you want to be original with that character and you want to give them certain attributes and talents and gifts that allow them to, to stand on their own, be unique, be original, right? Tony Stark is one of those characters where due to his intelligence and his ability to do things, he, he was, I mean, to say he was a prodigy is putting it very, very lightly. He is someone who is one of the smartest people on the planet. He's, he was able to create uh, this suit of armor that, that we all know to be Iron Man. And even in Iron Man 2, they did explore a bit of the idea of having these other countries trying to come up with their own Iron Man suit. And, and like, you know, what happens when you as um, someone who has good intentions, who is doing their civic duty, who do um, who does in fact have these, these gifts, um, is able to create something that then everybody else wants to replicate and copy for their own nefarious purposes. How do you deal with that, right? So there is a bit of, of a realistic type of scenario in that. But when it comes to this where, like, she's she's a student in college, she has certain abilities and gifts and stuff, but to watch her create under duress in a very short amount of time a suit of armor that, quite honestly, I mean, it's, it's approaching the point where it's rivaling what Iron Man was. I just feel like that's doing a disservice to Tony Stark as Iron Man, as we've come to know him. And I just, I I don't know. I I feel like when, if you're going to create new characters, I'm I'm all for creating new characters within any given universe. That's fantastic. But it's important to design them in such a way where they have their own set of uh, uniqueness that allows them to stand head and shoulders with the rest of the crowd as opposed to being kind of like more of a participation trophy. <laughs> sure. You know, it, it sounds harsh, but it's like, it's true. It's like, you know, I I would rather Ironheart be able to have different other types of attributes or abilities or, or, or invent something that allows her to really be an original character as opposed to, Oh, well that reminds me of Iron Man when she's flying around in an an Iron Man ish suit and has a little, you know, you're just like, that's creatively lazy. (laughs) It is. It is definitely lazy. So they, they took the utmost respect for, uh, for black Panther. Of course. I mean, that's the movie we're watching, but for Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. And then, um, but then when we obviously have the replacement coming up for Iron Man and there's no shown inspiration for Iron Man whatsoever, like, oh yeah, no, I, yeah, I did. I, I created that too. 
oh, there was another guy. Oh, I, yeah, I heard about him. Yeah, I did that. You know, sort of like, no, I, mm. and there's no origin story. There's just like, yeah, this person does that too. Cool. You good? I'm good. Are you good? Okay, let's just move on. You know, I can't, I, A, it was wrong to, I think, inject her into this movie. Mm-hmm. And B, um, you you have to make this person special and us like her. And I'm not saying she was a bad person. I'm just saying you telling us this is who it is and not acknowledge the character that we've all loved. I mean, he started the whole thing. Iron Man was the first movie to come out. You know, we that he's like the grandfather of the, the new current Marvel. Well, on top of that, too, if you recall the first Iron Man movie, it wasn't like Tony Stark just all of a sudden like whipped up like Iron Man Mark 7 sure. out of the blue. I mean, we got to see throughout the whole first film of Iron Man, like he started with Mark one, which was very crude. I mean, it got the job done, but like it was definitely, (laughs) it was not advanced at all. And then we watch as he's working on Mark two and how there's still bugs and how things, again, this is someone who in the MCU is one of the most intelligent people in the world. And he's having to go through these paces in order to create an optimized suit of flying armor. Right. That's awesome because we as the audience get to go through this journey with this character and realize wow, like yeah, this is this is bleeding edge technology. This is something that no one else knows how to do and even he's having to try and figure out how to make it work. And then throughout like the entire character existence every time we see Iron Man, he's got a new suit because he's constantly improving upon and he's making right. new things. So, so like for, for the movie going audience, we appreciate seeing his, his continuation of, you know, iterating on his passion project basically versus what we see in this film with Riri where like, again, in a very short amount of time, she concocts this suit that, you know, basically was on par with probably about Iron Man Mark three at least. And again, it's just, it calls back thoughts of um you know what tony stark was like what tony stark brought to the table why tony stark was unique and i instead would have preferred to have seen a different direction in terms of of, you know she can still be intelligent she can still be an inventor she can still you know have all these like great attributes and stuff come up with something different come up with something new right Otherwise, it just feel it starts to feel like it's being rehashed. And who wants to diminish the legacy of Tony Stark? Either? Exactly. So, yeah, I, I just thought they they went about the, her completely wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just felt that was too forced, honestly. So every time she was on screen, I, I couldn't get rid of that feeling of like, no, you're not the new Tony Stark. No, you're not the new Iron Man. I'm just not going to accept this this soon. Like you know what. Chadwick Boseman passing, we have to accept it. I mean, there is no going back. Yeah. So we have to move on with somebody new being Black Panther. I, uh, Iron Man, okay, he died, and the character died in the movie. So at some point, yes, we, we will have a new Iron Man. But uh, I just think, I don't know, A, wrong time, and B, kind of wrong way to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I say let's pivot from this over to a few pieces of trivia courtesy of IMDb because there there are some nuggets in here for sure. Look forward. We haven't done a courtesy of IMDb nugget in a while, Ross. It's true. It's very true. I thought it was time to bring it back as About they say. Time. Tana Huerta, who plays the ruler of an underwater kingdom didn't know how to swim. 
How's that ah. for ironic? Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, when Ryan Coogler offered him the role and asked about his swimming skills, Huerta simply replied, I've never drowned before. <laughs> he took swimming lessons afterwards in preparation for the role. I thought, wow. Okay, that's... Commitment. Yeah, yeah, that's worthy of note. Chadwick Boseman initially signed up for a five-picture deal with Marvel Studios back in 2014. This film would have been his final contractual appearance in live action as Black Panther in wow. the MCU for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. I'm sure also, like, if he was still alive, they'd probably renew that contract. Sure. Goes without saying. Before being cast as Ironheart, Dominique Thorne initially auditioned to play Shuri back in Black Panther of 2018. Mm-hmm. Interessante. And finally, uh, Michael Phelps. You remember who Michael oh, Phelps is? Oh, yeah. Olympic swimmer. Sure. Olympic medal swimmer yeah, of the United States. Yeah, of course. Michael Phelps, uh, Daniel Day, Kim, Brian T., <clears throat> Dwayne Johnson, and David Borinaz were all considered for the role of Namor. Yeah, Dwayne Johnson. Um, <laughs> no, I'm going to pass on that one. You think so, Husty? Um, yeah. Black Adam more assuming mm. for uh, Dwayne Johnson there, Steve? Mm, he's just, he's, he's a good action person in his own movies. Yeah. I just, I just don't see him. You just can't bring anybody into like a comic book movie uh-huh. and say like, okay, go ahead. And I don't know. I just, I think he's good at his own stuff. Yeah. Not, not here. Continuing on. So all of those folks were being considered for uh, the, the, the villain in this film before being cast as Shang-Chi, Samu Liu uh, uh, commented back in a 2018 Q and a that he was also interested in playing either Sunfire or no more um, the submariner in the Marvel cinematic universe. So you could see like even back around 2017, 2018, there was in fact quite a few folks who were interested, which makes sense because again, this is the sequel to black Panther. So I, I yeah, I, I think a lot of people are going, uh, I'll do the role. Yeah, really? I'll take a check over here. Yeah. yeah. Well, I like to get paid Marvel style. I was glad who they, who they decided to go with though. I, th- yeah. I think that that was a very original take. I think, uh, I, I look forward to seeing, what other types of films he appears in. So absolutely. Why don't you give us your final thoughts and rating of the film, Steve? Well, final thoughts, Russ. Um, I'm going to say, uh, you know, I'm glad they, they, they made the movie. I just wish they made it differently. Honestly. Um, it, like I said in the beginning, it just didn't feel, feel nearly as, uh, special. I think, uh, with a rock and a hard place, what do you do? Um, but I think you have to make the hard choice and either recast or delay release of the movie until you, everything is the way you want it. I think we got a movie that's a version of what everyone had to deal with, but that's not necessarily the right thing to do. Um, so to me, Wakanda didn't feel as special, um, the next Black Panther did not feel as as special. Um, I think the the pacing was a bit too slow. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we felt <clears> like uh, too much at a, of a memorial service, honestly, for like half the movie. Mm-hmm. And so I, at that point, I'm emotionally exhausted, and there just was not enough to 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 pick me up towards the end. Yeah. Um, and it. And I say that, and I, and I don't mean to, to put the, the cast down because, man, like they really brought their everything to the screen. It, it just, as a movie in itself, it was not enough. Yeah. Um, and so I left the theater, like I said, feeling um, not like I had a bad time, 
Um, not like I wish I hadn't seen the movie. It just, I was thankful that it was done. Yeah. Uh, I just needed a rest from it. Um, but at the same minute, um, I'm not in a hurry <laughs> to like go out and see it again. Uh-huh. You know, um, I don't, it's going to be a while till I see it again. I might even not see it again. Right. Cause it's just, it's just not a fun movie to me to watch. Um, I guess in that regard, um, you know, you know, one thing I didn't say also too is even at the funeral, even if we they we chose the way they they went mm-hmm. with it, I would have think that any one of the Avengers could have just shown up too and paid respects at the funeral, and nobody was there whatsoever. I thought, no, that's a good point. I don't agree with that at all. Yeah, I, I that is a very good observation. I totally agree. So anyhow, no, I. I feel bad about this, but I, I, I've been tossing between a, a two and a half and a three, and I think I'm just going to go with a two and a half. So in my situation, first of all, the film was longer than I expected. Uh, we went to a 1030 showing at night, and it was past 1.30 by the time we left the theater, which I was like, whoa, I was expecting like it'd be done around like, say, 12.30, sure. maybe one. Now, granted, the first like 30 minutes of the whole thing was nothing but advertisements. I mean, the theaters have gotten way out of hand with how much they just throw because they realize they have this captivated audience right there. And you're just like, it's just ridiculous. So I, mean, I, I would say the film is probably two and a half hours ish. I don't I don't know the exact runtime. It's like two hours, 40 something minutes. Is that is that what yeah. it is? You know, a little two hours, 40 some odd minutes. But anyway... Um, I do think this, what I'm talking about also kind of, um, fits into what you were describing, which is that, um, there's a, there's a big difference between the first film and the second film because the first film was a lot more, I want to say had more chemistry. It was more positive. It was, there was more of a positive experience because we were being introduced for the first time to this amazing nation called Wakanda, right? We were introduced to more of T'Challa's family and some of the, the family hijinks that go on and, and how those types of things happen in, in all sorts of families, right? I mean, even with you and I as brothers, um, you know, we, we have our own way of, of bantering with each other and giving each other uh, crap on certain things or, or being there when the other one is feeling down or whatever. And I feel like the first film was very successful in that. I also think the second film was successful in that to a certain degree, but there was so much family tragedy going on that, um, yeah, like, like there was kind of this, um, this constant sense, which, which I, I understand to a certain extent because from a storytelling perspective, you're throwing all these different types of conflict at this next protagonist, right? In order to like understand like, man, these just seem like impossible odds. How on earth are they going to persevere? Are they going to find a a way out of it? Right. And so we do get to see that, but at the same time, yeah, like it, it, there, there is a, 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 noticeable shift in terms of the tone of the movie. And so like, yeah, I too was feeling pretty exhausted by the end of it. And I think you, you touched on that, that well. Also, I do think that, um, there are, um, several new types of, of characters that we got to be introduced to. I love seeing this, this new, um, like kind of like, like subsect or, or subculture of Mayans that exist underwater. Loved all of that. 
Um, I didn't care for the Riri character. I didn't think that she was really necessary. I think that was kind of shoehorned in. I'm not exactly sure why. But overall, I prefer the first film. I prefer the first Black Panther movie. That was one of my favorite Marvel movies. And this one, again, I just, I don't, the, the, the pacing wasn't there. I think they probably had something else that they were going to go with before the unfortunate passing of Chadwick Boseman. And so I, I do think I, 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 that kudos are necessary to give to the, the creators of this particular movie because despite what went down, they were able to come up with this new type of, of uh, approach. But, I, but like I said at the top of the, the podcast, I do think it is an interesting example of what happens when you take out a key element that everyone has grown attached to that loves to see on screen. How do you compensate for that? And so it'll be it'll be interesting to see like how it moves forward. But yeah, I I, I think Marvel, generally speaking, the, the MCU is really struggling right now because you can tell how that like there's kind of this rinse and repeat pattern going on where they're wanting to pass the baton, pass the torch, right, to a different hero or a different character, but they're not landing it. Right. That like like you they're they're in the middle of doing this like crazy like somersault or or you know um you know gym gymnast type of spin in the air but they're not getting a perfect landing not sticking it and we're seeing that happening again and again and again and I think that the fans are realizing that hey there's a reason why Iron Man Thor Captain America Hulk um, Black Widow Hawkeye, like, like there is something, I mean, even with Black Panther, Spider-Man, some of the other Avengers in there, the reason why they've stood the test of time is that these are some of the most beloved characters. Not only that, but then also one of the, the, the elements of the secret sauce that have made Marvel movies in the past so successful is the fact that they have spent all this time investing in each one of those heroes. The downside to that is, is that when you start to transition away from those heroes that you invested all of those years, I mean, we're talking 10, 12 years worth of investment that have paid off very well for the MCU, but also for the fans too. Like, like I've loved watching these different heroes progress through their, their character arcs and so forth. But we're in this weird phase right now with Marvel where they're introducing these new heroes and the majority of them I don't think are really resonating with the fan base as much as the OG crew. And, you know, for me as a fan, like I can tell, like, like I'm not nearly as excited to go see Marvel movies the way I once was like they, they did such a fantastic job with the initial phases of the MCU. And now I'm just like, gosh, like I don't, I don't really know what to do with that, but that that's an entirely different topic. So I'm actually, um, I'm agreeing with you. I, I'm, I am also in that conflict of going between 2.5 to three stars, you know, and I, I think I'll give it three stars. You just want to be different from me. No, because <laughs> I do think in terms of once again, like I loved seeing the cast of, right. of, of Black Panther come back and resume their roles, right? Like yeah. they're all fantastic. I loved seeing the new uh, folks coming in with the exception of Riri. I just was not a fan of Riri. Mm. And 
Um, I like the places they went. I like some of the things that they were, they were exploring. Like for instance, the, um, the growing understanding from nations that vibranium exists. And, you know, Wakanda went from being like, no one knew it existed to then, Oh, now the world knows that this Wakanda place exists to, Hey, we'd like your resources, <laughs> you know, how does, and, and how does that nation deal with it? Especially considering the fact that the Royal family is having tragedy after tragedy go on. How do they persevere? How do they move forward? I liked all of that. I thought it was cool. I liked also the origin story of Namor and, and his people and like, you know, what was going on with that as well. So there were a lot of, of different things that I thought w- were working out well, but I, I just feel like I just, I want Chadwick to be back. And also too, like, you know, like the fight sequences, for example, I think the one-on-one, like, like with the general, the Wakanda general fighting for the first time on the, 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 I don't know, the freeway bridge or whatever it yeah, was with, uh, Oye. Yeah. With some, some of the, with Namor's, uh, yeah. tribes people, sure. you know, I thought that was really good, but then like, kind of like the, the one instance with them on like the Wakanda ship and there really, there wasn't like a, it didn't have the same level of emotionality that the battles from the first black Panther movie had. And even the battle between Shuri and Namor, I I mean, it was okay. But like, again, like they're just like, if you were to compare that to say black Panther of T'Challa and Warmonger, like that had weight to it. Like that there was, you know, and that was within the family itself because he was, he too was part of the Royal family. You know, the, the ideologies that were there, um, I think it caused me to be more on the edge of my seat as a viewer. And that's not to discount some of the approaches that they explored in this, where like where we, where we were talking earlier about how Shuri was more of a diplomat, right? She is different than her brother in terms of trying to find a solution. And so I thought that was interesting too. So yeah, I mean, I, I would give the film three stars. Um, and I, I just, I don't know like how they're going to move forward with her being Black Panther and how it's going to work with the the overall MCU. We'll just have to wait and see, but um, definitely, you know, I, I, I prefer the, the first film out of the two. That wraps up this episode of Joygasm. We appreciate you for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm where you can enjoy exclusive perks and early access to the show. Not to mention, it continues to financially help us doing the podcast. Also, make sure you click on that subscribe button. Subscribe button. button, As well as that notification bell. That way you won't miss a single episode of Joygasm that drops once a week each week. And you could do a search on your favorite social media platform of choice for at Joygasm TV. Last but not least, do a search for Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. We look forward to hanging out with all of you again next week when we give our impressions of God of War Ragnarok. Ragnarok. Oh, it's finally here and it's a doozy. (laughs) We'll see you then.